All right. I, I was out here. I mean, I've had a, a really, really tough four weeks over the last four weeks um, in that um, I was diagnosed with a disc that slipped in what they call C7 in my neck, for those who are experts at that, which has been pushing on my nerve. And so the drugs have just been getting stronger and stronger and stronger um, to the point now where, um, like an example, last night I had Dale, I was laying in bed and I said, just pray for me, you know, and she said, I'll pray for you to fall asleep. I, I heard about the first, you know, she said, I'll let me read a verse to you. heard about the first three words. And it really knocks me out and, and, and stuff like that. And, and today has been particularly difficult this morning. And um, I've feeling nauseous and been feeling just generally really lousy. And, and, um, and I thank you for all those who've been praying for me this morning. But I was out here and I was walking around and I was praying and, and going on. And I thought, you know what, it's really nice out here. And then I walked back inside and it seemed quite depressing in there. As in, not because of the worship and everything else, but just because it was inside and dark. And, and now it's here, it's bright and airy. So I thought, let's have church outside. Is that all right? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you, Lord, for the sun that shines. Lord, we thank you for the, Lord, even the grass so green, that we can just be out here in your presence, in your creation. Lord, we just want to worship you. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh. Renew us. Revitalize us. Make us more like Jesus today. Lord, I pray the words that we speak will be your words of life. Cutting like a two-edged sword, Lord. Taking everything that's not of you. That you're glorified through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Let me read to you from, um, from the book of Joshua. I've really struggled. We're actually about to go into a series called Hebrews Heroes. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a whole lot of heroes that are listed. Just heroes of the Bible. You know, you've got your, your Abrahams, your Isaac, your Jacob, your Moses, you've got Joshua. You've got, you've got a whole list of them there. And, and as I was reading this week and going through stuff, I kept coming up with you know, all these heroes and, and sort of getting into the next series and going, hold on, I've got to finish this one first. And so our next series is called Hebrews Heroes, which you can break it up to like as in he, as in God, brews heroes, you know. He makes heroes. And the great thing is that he hasn't stopped making heroes. That he made you to be a hero. And that really got me onto today's sermon that God actually made you to be a success. And I was training a bunch of um, managers this week and um, going through operational planning. And, and I asked them at the start of the session, I said, what's three things you'd like to achieve before you leave the organization you're at? And they came up with these little things. I'd like to do this. I'd like to have that program done. And I'd like to do that. At the end of it, I said, that was really depressing because no one in, none, of, none of that list was, was magnificent. None of that list was like out there. None of that list says, I want to do something great with my life. It was, I'd like to have this program happening or I'd, I'd like to do this or that. It was just really small stuff. And it really challenged that group that, you know, God made us and he made us with a plan and a purpose and he made us to be awesome. And that we get so caught up in the operation of life. We get so caught up in the little stuff of life and, and the mundane and the everyday that it saps away the awesome. 
It takes away the greatness of God. You know, if, if you're a parent, you know, it's running around with your kids and, and getting ready for school and, you know, uni or whatever it is and, and going through all the bits and pieces of that, you know, this event and that event or it's going to work and it's getting caught up in this and that and the office politics and, and all that sort of stuff. And it doesn't matter where you are, the small stuff in life sucks away the big stuff. And we lose our purpose and who God's made us to be. And I want to encourage you to to really get back to finding out who God made you to be. And we were talking about success. And I define success like this. There's a lot of great definitions for sex. But success is simply this. Success is finding out what God wants you to do and then doing it. That's success. If God said to you, I want you to be a janitor at the local school. And that was his plan for your life, was to make sure that school was clean. Then you would be a success if you were the janitor at the school. But you'd be a success if that school was the best, the cleanest school in the district. If that school was a place where people came in and and felt like, wow, I'm comfortable here. You know, it's clean, it's done well. You know, there was a, Tony Campolo talks of a friend of his who was actually a sociologist lecturer. And the guy um, had a bit of a crisis in life and things were going difficult. And he said, you know what, I've had enough of being a lecturer, professor and, and all the stress of that. And he actually left his job and he went and became a postman. And um, Tony Campola was concerned about him and rang him up. And, you know, a month or so later we found out and said, you know, how are you going? You okay? You know, he says, look, I was just, I found I was caught up. I wasn't doing what God made me to do. And so I said, God wanted me to do, and he opened the door for me to become the postman. And he's one of those postmen that it's in, a, in, in America, one of the cities, and he's one of those guys that has to go and do it by hand. You know, walks the streets and does the units and does them by hand. And Tony Campolo said to this guy, he says, so are you a good postman? He says, I'm a lousy postman. He says, most guys do their round, and they're back before 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They've done their round. He says, me, I don't get back till 6 at night. And he says, what do you mean? It takes you, it takes you so long. He says, well, yeah, because I go and, and I start talk, talking to people. And they invite me in for a cup of coffee. And I start chatting with him. He's the only postman I know that on his birthday, his whole round throws him a party. Because really, he's an awesome postman because he cares about people. And he takes time. And while he's doing, he's delivering his mail, he stops and he chats and he talks to them about the troubles they're going through and the difficulties they have in life and brings a bit of God into their life and changes their life just by being the postman. See, it doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what your job title is. What, it matter is, what matters is, are you doing what God has asked you to do? And are you using it for his glory? Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And success is defined by you doing what he wants you to do, where he wants you to do it. You know, I've discovered, you know, sometimes I, I go to my work and I'm not excited by being there. It doesn't thrill me being in the place. Other days it does. But there are times where, you know, I don't get excited by being at work. I've had previous jobs with the same. You know, I'd go and some days were good and some days I'm not excited by being there. But I found that I have to change my attitude when I'm there and go, you know what? I'm here because God's put me here. I'm here 
because God wants me to make a difference. Not my, not my church life. That's never like that. I'm always excited by that. You know, awesome bunch of people you are. Let me read to you about how you become successful. How do you change your world in your job? How do you become all God made you to be? Joshua actually comes up. He, he illustrates as he's talking to God, and God says to him, look, I'm going to give you a three-step process to success. Three steps. That's all it takes to be successful. Isn't that cool? Don't you wish you bought a pen now? Don't you wish you were writing this down? Well, the awesome thing is that you can look in your Bible anytime because it's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. All right? Here's a three-step process to success that is guaranteed. All right, step number one. Joshua 1, 8 says, The book of the law is in the Bible shall not depart from your mouth. That's step one. Step one to being successful is actually speaking God's word. Rather than talking all the rubbish that's out there in the world, it's speaking God's word. Because the Bible teaches very clearly that we essentially are what we say. Do you know that? You know, they say, be careful what, you know, we have sayings like, you know, you eat your words or you live by what you speak. And it's true. What you speak changes how you think. And, and we've seen that, Dale, talking about the last couple of weeks, that neuroscience is now picking this up. That the words that you speak can change whether you feel great or whether you feel lousy. They can change your attitude. Words can change a situation. You know, if I stood up here and started yelling and screaming at you, I'm sure you would not feel loved and, and feel warm and fuzzy, right? But if I talk nicely to you, if I smile, what does that make you? It makes you feel good. It makes you feel loved and accepted. Words are powerful in how they change others, but they're also powerful in how we change us. You can look at your circumstances, you know, because the Bible actually says in Mark chapter 11, he says that if you say and believe, it'll be done. And that's actually all through the Bible. Proverbs talks the same thing. By your words. So if you start to speak God's word, that's actually your first step to success. That the word of God should not depart from your mouth. In other words, speak God's word. You see, when I'm feeling lousy, I've got a choice. I can walk around and go, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, it hurts so much. Oh, it's so painful. You know what? If I did that, I've worked out that I feel worse. And then amazing. When you start to speak how bad a situation is, you actually feel worse about it. Have you ever been in a situation, you know, that person at work that always complains? You know those people? I know it's none of you. But maybe you've got one in your work that does that. Always, never has a good thing to say about anything. You know, they're always the, oh, that person. Oh, that customer. Oh, that one. Oh, that person. We were, oh, well, well, yeah, yeah, they're, they're the, oh, you know, they're always doing this. And, oh, well, that person there. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. You know, no, no, of course not. <laughs> My wife would never do that. And they live, and they're always miserable. Why? Because they're always speaking negative. And Dad was talking about with neuroscience. It reinforces that, that if you keep speaking the negative, you ingrain the negative, and you actually build a trench within your mind that keeps you in the negative. 
Whereas, you know what, I, I find the word of God is not negative, it's really positive. It says things like, when you're not well, it says that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed and made whole. It says, don't be cast down, put your hope in God who brings all joy. It says that no matter what comes against you, it cannot succeed. It says any weapon that's formed against you won't prosper. It says when people come against you, they're actually going to flee seven ways. See, it doesn't say you're not going to have hard times. What it says is no matter what comes against you in life, you win. You win. So don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Because you see, when it's in your mouth and you start to speak the word of God, no matter what your situation, you speak the word of God. It changes your attitude and your focus and you see the possibility and the potential rather than the problem. When you focus on the problem, you're going to mess it up. When you focus on the opportunity through the problem, you see a solution. I think one of the best examples, I think I've shared it before with some of you, but, but uh, when they were first doing the space race and the space program, you know, through the, the 60s and so on, they, um, both the Russians and the Americans came across a problem. They found out that ink doesn't work in space because when you write with a pen, it uses gravity. You know, when you start writing on the wall or something like that and the pen stops working, you know, and ink uses gravity to, to draw down out of the pen. And they discovered that you can't take a pen into space because it doesn't write. So the Americans very, were focused on the problem. We need to solve this problem. The problem is the pens don't work in space. You know, and they were very problem-focused and so on. And so they actually spent a couple of million dollars to develop a special pen that would write in space. You know, they, they saw this problem. Our problem is pens don't work in space. Oh, 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 oh. And two million dollars later, and all these specialist scientists, they finally made this pen that would work in space. The Russians had a different approach. They said, hmm, we need an opportunity to write in space. So they took a pencil. See, when you're problem-focused, you're focused on the problem and, oh, the challenge, oh, it's so difficult. And it costs you a couple of million dollars. It will cost you big time. But when you're solution-focused, you just take a pencil. You see the difference? When you're focused on the problem, you make it bigger. When you're focused on the solution and you're speaking the word of God and saying this is what God says about the situation, you see the opportunity rises up. Yeah? So, first step to being successful is don't have the make sure God's word is in your mouth. The second thing is meditate on it day and night. Read the Word of God and think about what it says in the morning and in the evening. Don't let the Word depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. You need to read it to be able to speak it. You know, I mean, I heard this morning someone was telling me that, you know, the terrible situation in Nepal where there was an earthquake and a thousand people have died. You know, it's shocking. And they said, have you heard about it? And I said, well, actually, I haven't. Chrissy, I don't listen to the news. I might read the paper over the weekend. I check a couple of websites occasionally to make sure I actually know what's going on in the world. But I don't listen to the news. One, because I find it's repetitively depressing. And when I listen to the news, I find that I get upset about things and a little down. Because what am I meditating on? The negative. 
It's like what? We don't like hanging around with people who are negative and down, do you? You know? I've worked out that you can get two people who are absolutely negative, who don't know each other. You can put them in a room of a thousand people and they will find each other. It's incredible. We saw it happen. We went to a meeting once, Dale and I, and we had this guy who was in our church who, at the time who was, who was um, so negative he could suck life out of a battery. You know, and, and, and he was with us, came to this, and he said, I want to come to this thing with you. We said, yeah, sure, come along. We came along, and there are literally a thousand people in the room. And within about two minutes, this guy was talking to the only other person in the room that we knew that was probably as negative as he was. Misery loves company. They found each other. You know, and these guys focused on everything that was bad. You can't do that. He says here, meditate on God's Word. In other words, in the morning, in the evening, Read God's Word. When you first get up in the morning, first thing you do, just open up God's Word. Just take a couple of minutes to read a couple of verses and think about what that means. When you go to bed at the evening, last thing, just when you hop into bed, just grab your Bible, just read a few verses, think about them and say, hey God, thanks for a great day. And it'll start to bookend your day and change how you think. When you find yourself getting negative through the day, take five minutes out. Pull your phone out. Flip open your your South Central app and open up the Bible there and just read a couple of verses. Just think about God's goodness and change your attitude and your perspective. Just taking that couple of minutes throughout the day will change your attitude to your day. And it puts you on the path of success and seeing the opportunities rather than getting caught down in all the depressing things. The third thing is, he says here, so the word don't let it depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. The third thing is to observe to do according to all that's written in it. In other words, you've got to talk the word, you've got to think the word, and you actually have to do what it says. You know, it's this guy who was saying a prayer one day and he's saying, you know, God, I just want to thank you for the day. I want to thank you, Father, that today I have not committed one sin. That today I've been full of joy, I've been full of peace, I've been full of love. I thank you today, God, that your spirit has been with me and that everything has gone perfectly. But now I'm about to get out of bed, God. <laughs> And like that sometimes. We need to make a choice to do what it says in here. We need to be speaking it. We need to be reading it and thinking about it. And then we need to do it. That means that when you're in your workplace, you work as though you're working for God. You know, if you're doing a business and you're billing people, you bill people like you're billing God. You become ethical. You have the right attitude. You give your best in your workplace. You give your best in your school life. You give your best in everything that you can do. You look for opportunities to help other people and and to assist them. You look for opportunities to, to help bring change in their lives. You can listen to what God says. If you're spending time meditating in the morning, evening, and thinking about what God's Word says, you'll start to know God's voice and you'll start to speak into your life. And you'll start to open up opportunities. I was listening to a guy preaching this week, and he was saying there was a young guy in his church who uh, he, he was um, a draftsman. 
So um, he just finished architecture, actually. He, was, he used to draw these you know, magnificent buildings, and he'd finished his architecture course at uni, and, and he was trying to get a job, and he kept applying for jobs and applying for jobs and just wasn't getting an opening. You know, people could say to me, oh, it's a downturn. We, don't, we want people to experience, and, you know, you're just a fresh graduate, and, you know, we're not really wanting this. So so we went, okay, God. And so he was praying one morning, and, and God said to him, let's go out for breakfast. And he said, okay. So he went out for breakfast, and... He was down at the local cafe and just sort of, you know, not much money on him. So he thought, oh, well, I'll just, I can. And, and bought, bought himself a coffee and was just sitting there drinking his coffee and chatting with God. And this, this guy walks in and, and the guy um, dropped something on the floor as he walked by his table. I didn't see him. I think it was his wallet or something. So this, this young guy picks up the wallet and gives it to the guy and said, I just want to let you know, sorry, sir, that you, you dropped your wallet. And... Um, I said, oh, thank you very much, and sat down. And we went and sat back down to his coffee, and he said, God spoke to his spirit, and he says, go and offer to pay for that guy's lunch. And he went, what? He said, go, go, go and pay for him, because he had have lunch. Go and pay for his lunch. And he says, oh, God, that's everything I've got. He said, go and pay for his lunch. So we went over to that guy, and he said, look, look I just don't want to freak out. I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and I really just get impression from God that I'd like to, to buy you lunch today. And the guy says, oh, look, you know, I don't really need you to. He says, I understand. Look, I don't want you to be offended. I just, I just really want to share a bit of love of God with you. And do you mind if I just pay for your lunch today? The guy said, sure, no worries. What's your name? And they got chatting. And he says, oh, you know, my name's whatever, Bill or whatever I can't remember his name was. He said, Bill, what do you do? And he says, well, actually, I've just graduated as an architect and I'm looking for work. And the guy said to him, that's interesting. So I own the uh, building company down the road. Here's my card. Why don't you come and see me this afternoon? See, that's what God will do. He'll make an opportunity where no one else gets one. And he'll challenge you to step out of your comfort zone into his love. You know, just by this guy buying a cup of, uh, buying lunch for a guy that he doesn't know, just to show a bit of God's love, just to be obedient to what God has, opens up doors. I can remember when I was... um. I, I worked for a bank for about five years, and I left the bank because we went for a holiday in New Zealand with my family for a few months, and we came back, and, and I was looking for some work. And um, my mum woke up one morning, about been back about a month, and um, I sort of wasn't having much success finding work. And, and she woke up, she says, I had a dream last night, Phil, that, that you went down to this local garden shop, you know, in the local nursery, and you asked for a job there. I went, me? Yeah, gardening? Okay. Well, okay. I said, look, I've got nothing to lose. So we jumped in the car and um, we drove down there and I said, you come with me if you're doing this. And I walked into the nursery and um, got one of the attendants there. And I said, oh, look, you know, I'm looking for the manager. Um, and they said, oh, look, the manager's actually out at the moment. I said, okay. I said, do you know when you're back? And they said, you know, can we help you? I said, well, look, I'm actually looking if you've got any you know, vacancies looking for a job. And he said, oh, well, the manager back in about half an hour if you want to drop back through. And I said, okay. So I said, Mum, well, let's go next door. We'll grab a coffee and we'll come back in half an hour. And as I'm walking out of the garden centre, this lady taps me on the shoulder. And she says, are you looking for work? And I said, yeah, I am. She says, look, we own the, the biggest hotel in town. We're the manager's there. Why don't you come down? We'll have a chat. Now, see, my mum's dream, we only went and applied for, asked for a job. She didn't say I got a job there. So we went down to this hotel, and I had my references with me, and I got a job as a maintenance guy in a hotel from a bank reference. 
Now, that's a bigger joke because my maintenance skills are next to my gardening skills. <laughs> no, actually, my gardening skills are here. My maintenance skills are way down here. <laughs> I can change the light bulb. <laughs> Essentially what it was, was hanging off the third balcony in this place, changing light bulbs. Yeah, and, and I got this job, which was really actually quite a cushy job because any decent jobs, you got someone else in to do it. And it was really, I cleaned the pool and, um, you know, changed light bulbs. That's really what the job was. I used to find that, you know, because I'd work, I'd start about eight and I used to go through to five and I'd get to about one in the afternoon. There was literally nothing to do. And so I used to go to one of the rooms, sit in the cupboards because they were a bit higher and um, pull out one of the Gideon Bibles and sit there and read the Bible for a while. But see, when you're, when you're tuned into God, when you're speaking his word, when you're reading it and meditating on it, it creates opportunities. And he'll start to speak into your life and open doors for you to do it and to step into what he has for you. And that was a great job for the couple of years that I did it. It was really cushy and fantastic. It was, it was literally three streets away from where I lived. I'd just walk to work. I'd walk home for lunch. Got the boss had this nice fancy car. I used to drive around in it everywhere I went. It was just, that's what God will do. He will make opportunities for you. If you speak his word, if you're reading and thinking about his word, and if you do his word, that's actually God's formula for success. In the New Testament, he comes up with an, um, an equivalent in John chapter 15. He says that basically, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you want, it'll be done. He goes on to say, if you want to be fruitful, you want to be effective, then abide in me and let my words abide in you and it'll all happen. That's what God says. That's what Jesus said, John chapter 15. How do we abide in him? We worship him. We read his word. We think about what his word says and we do it. That way we're abiding in him and it says his word abides in us. And it becomes our guide and our lead. It means sometimes you've got to make tough choices. I can remember when, you know, I played soccer growing up. I can remember getting to about 17. And at 17, the games went from Saturdays to Sunday mornings. And I really liked my soccer. But I went, you know what? God's word says don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect hanging out together. So I went, you know what? I'm not going to play soccer anymore. Because it gets in the way of me hanging out with God's people. So I started doing that. And you know what they did? They actually started an indoor soccer comp that year. So I went and played indoor soccer because that was during the week at night. That's what God will do for you. When you give up something for him, he'll create a door that is even better. Because I enjoyed that more than running around a big field, running around a small field. <laughs> That's what God will do for you. Doors may close one way, but he'll open other doors that create greater opportunity. It's really simple. The formula for success is to put God's word into you, to read it, to think about it, to speak it, and do it. And out of that, you'll discover who you are in God and what he has for you to do. And no matter what your situation, you'll start to influence that rather than it influencing you. And you'll start to bring change. 
I know it sounds too easy, but it means occasionally you've got to flick the TV off and spend time in his word. That you've got to actually put Facebook down and put your phone aside and ignore it for a few minutes and actually read the word of God and think about what it says. You know, we use the SOAP method, which is really simple. Scripture, as in been reading through a verse here, there, everywhere. The O in the SOAP is for observe. Have a look at what it, think about what is in there. What does that mean for when it was written? What does that mean for you? The A in the SOAP is application. How can you apply that to your life? It's like today's, you can go, well, it's easy. I can apply that. I can read in the morning when I get up. I can read it when I go to bed at night. I can think about it. I can choose to memorize verses that stand out for me. I, got them, I put them in little cards next to my bed. And I read them morning and night until I know them and know them and know them and then I can just speak them without having to read them. That's the application. And then the P is prayer. I can pray God's word. I can pray back to him. God, you said in your word. God, you said in your word. And that's where you'll find success. That's where you find real peace. That's where you can push into God. Does that make sense? So we're going to people of the word, people of success. Yeah? Don't, don't get too excited. You're going to sleep in the sun. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Lord, in Jeremiah, you said a plan to prosper us, not to harm us. Lord, a plan to give us a hope and a future. You said that whatever we put our hand to will prosper. Lord, John even prayed that we would prosper and have good success and be in health as our soul prospers. And Lord, we know our soul prospers from hanging out with you, from being in your word, in relationship with you and your word being in us. So Father, I pray, refresh us. Let your word be fresh and new to us, Lord, as we read it. Let it be life. As we read it, Father, let it challenge us. Let it change us. Let it make us more like Jesus. That, Lord, you are glorified through our lives and we become the people that you made us to be. We want to bless you for this day. We want to bless you for the beauty of your creation. We want to bless you for your goodness towards us. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.